This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm wearing a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. And monkeys might fly out of my butt. Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. Sean. Shawnee, if you're feeling a little loose. Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame. And I've never been one to chase balls. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I'm waiting for the next really great idea. Like, the light bulb was such a good idea that when someone has a good idea, a light bulb goes off over their head. Nobody ever has a good idea, and a squatty potty appears over their head. I do. <laughs> Most of my ideas fall in that category. (laughs) (laughs) Joining me in the historic Infinite Potato Studios, we have Dave. How are you, sir? I'm all right, but I just realized that most of my thoughts concern how can I poop easier. (laughs) (laughs) And Rick is here as well. (laughs) I also am concerned that Dave needs help pooping more easily. (laughs) Are you getting enough fiber, Dave? I don't think so. Are you drinking enough water? (laughs) Fiber gummies are the way to go. Oh, fiber gummies? Yeah. That's a thing? Oh. (laughs) Go to CVS. They've got them. Do they have have hydrating gummies? Because I don't get enough water. (laughs) Uh, That'd be cool if you could just take a tablet and get all the water for your day. uh. Um. Tonight, we're going to be getting right into our topic. The name of this episode is As Seen on TV. And we're going to be talking about our favorite movies that were made for television. And streaming doesn't count because those movies can usually be theatrical or television or whatever. But uh, these are movies that were made specifically to air on TV on one of the networks or maybe on cable television or something like that. So... So we'll get right into it. Dave, what 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 is the uh, first one that you have there on your list? Well, I did want to ask the the sweeping mini series. Those aren't included, right? I've got a couple of mini series on mine. Oh, you Oh, now me. you say that's Yeah. Oh. It's a made for TV oh, okay. movie, isn't it? I mean, that's a made for TV <laughs> movie. Well, in that case, instead of 10, I have 14. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, the first one cuz I I did. I omitted the 60s and I omitted Scarlet uh <laughs> because they were miniseries. I never so, watched. Oh, and, I don't think I ever saw Scarlet. 
the the Colin Firth Pride and Prejudice omitted it because it was a miniseries. So just letting you know, those were on there. But uh, the face on the milk carton, 1995. <laughs> and I've heard of that. Oh, it's it's based on a book on a novel uh, by Carolyn Cooney. Um, but it stars Kelly Martin as Jennifer Sands and a 16 year old girl girl who finds her face on the back of a milk carton and puts the pieces of her past together. <laughs> and, and she goes and tracks down her family. And it was a whole, like, it sounds like a lifetime movie. Yes. A lot of mine are, the, they're not <laughs> lifetime movies. They were like on NBC, ABC, that kind of thing. And Lifetime apparently remade some of the ones that I've put down, but I know the most of mine are from the nineties. I think all of them are from the nineties, but um, yeah, that was, that was the first one I, uh, Sharon Lawrence was in it and I liked Sharon Lawrence. <laughs> I yeah. watched it. I watched a lot of these things. I, I loved like dark soap opera drama type crap. So uh, you'll see, you'll see, you'll have way less respect for me by the end of this. I've watched a lot of those uh, Lifetime movies over the years because, mm-hmm. you know, um, and a lot of them that are like based on real things or whatever. Um, for some reason, Rob Lowe shows up in a lot of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rob Lowe loves doing stuff like that. Candace but, Cameron, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, Kelly Martin, anytime I, anytime I see Kelly Martin in anything, I, I think it's going to be. A melodrama, some kind of melodrama. Yeah. That's just that's her bag, but she yeah. and she's supposed to be coming back, and they're gonna do like a they're bringing life goes on back. Ooh, and she's okay. playing the she's playing the same character. She's just forty something now, and um, but I don't okay. know. The, to me, life goes on doesn't work without Corky. Because I think he was a big part of that show, and then if if I don't know, I mean the the the, the dude that played him is still alive, but I don't know if he's still acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about that. I just thought of it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, man. This is a stream of consciousness. You know, it's fine. I have no idea what you kids are going on about. You never you never saw Life Goes On the TV show back in the. Like, I don't know who Corky is. I don't know who the woman you said you wanted to watch on the show. It was a, it was a, a Cheryl Lewis. Did you say drum, that? Sh- no, Sh- Sharon, Sharon Lawrence. Sharon Lawrence. Sharon Lawrence. Uh, she was like Sipowitz's wife on NYPD. She's uh, on an episode of Voyager where she played Amelia Earhart. Yes, she oh, was. Okay. Yeah, she was. And, okay. uh, now and, you're talking my language. <laughs> and back when I saw this movie, I had a crush on her because she was on a, I think it was an NBC sitcom called Fired Up with Liam Ramini. Yeah, she's been in something recently. I have all his albums. <laughs> no, Life Goes On was a drama that came on back in the mid 90s that was about uh, a family. Patty Lapone was the, uh, the mother, and um, Kelly Martin was her daughter and Corky was their son that had down syndrome. And it was an actor that actually had down syndrome playing the, the part. And he was really good. But, um, cool. but now he's like 50 something. I don't think he's acting anymore, but uh, okay. Uh, Rick, what about you? What's the first one on your list? All right. I got to give you all a couple of caveats. None of this <laughs> will come as a shock to anyone. 
Uh, mine pretty much cut off around mid eighties because that's about when I stopped watching made for TV movies. Sorry, right, I picked you up in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're not going to find a realistic drama on any of my list. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I didn't write down any of the years these came out. I probably should have, but, uh, I want to start with one of my favorites. Uh, it's called city beneath the sea. And it was kind of C lab ish. I, uh, I, it may have been a Jerry Anderson thing or, or, or trying to cash in on catch it, cash in on the, on the, you know, the Thunderbirds, uh, UFO Jerry Anderson thing. It was about, a a. a a scientific installation called Pacifica, which is under the ocean. And they turn it into a city beneath the sea. Uh, it was very, very voyage to the bottom of the sea with the, in the aesthetic of it. And yeah. uh, the, the storyline was that for, they were closing down Fort Knox. And so they moved all the gold to Pacifica because it was the most well-guarded place on the planet but they also had this super radioactive, unstable element that was important for something. And it had to be, oh, that's right. It had nothing to do with shutting down Fort Knox. They moved all the gold there because gold was the only thing they could, they could store this element in. And so they, they like, there were all these scenes in this storeroom where it was just like a 10 foot high, three or four bar deep, wall of of gold bars and there's like this bright light coming from inside it and of course bad guys want to steal all the gold yeah and uh, i think maybe donald pleasance was in it because he was in everything at that point mm. um but it was it was just a lot of fun and i had the Viewmaster as a kid oh <laughs> and of course at one point you know one of the bad guys is walking on the top of the gold and he falls into the element and <clears throat> horrible death and stuff and you know. i pulled it up on imdb i don't see donald pleasance i do see james darren oh okay. he's in it yeah oh as dr okay. talty um so was it like 72 71 like yeah 1971 yeah that was a group a group of 21st century colonists inhabit the underwater city called pacifica they must they find they must defend the city against hostile alien forces that you see that's bullshit <laughs> because you know that's that's the the imd i did look it up on imdb i think or or, or it was it was you know imdb or rotten tomatoes and it said that and then i i went and i'm like there were no aliens in that movie and then i went to the actual page and the synopsis was about the the, the element and the gold and the stuff like that there's no aliens involved in it whatsoever <laughs> as some intern it's just ah whatever now, i just I, I write down what it looks like on the poster <laughs> <laughs> I cannot in good conscience recommend this movie to anyone. I just know that as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, I was Star Trek voyage to the bottom of the sea, land of the giants, time tunnel, lost in space, all of that stuff. You know, I, I ate it up like crazy and this was mm-hmm. totally in that, in that part of the Venn diagram. Here. Yeah. Well, my first one is the stand from 1994. And it was a uh, mini series based on one of Stephen King's most famous novels and thickest novels <laughs> to date, anyway. And then um, he did the expanded edition. <laughs> yeah, and added another five. It comes because, with his own wheelbarrow. Well, his publisher even told him, "I can't publish this unless you knock five hundred pages out of it." And it was still like a nine hundred page novel. Uh, and then they put all that stuff back later. But um, they recently remade this, but not as a 
they don't really do the, these mini series anymore. They just do limited series television shows now. They do like ten episodes of a show instead of mm-hmm. doing four movies or something like that. But um, at the time, it, it aired over four nights, and each night got progressively stranger. Like the first, mm-hmm. the first movie was this virus got out and it started killing a lot of people. And we meet different characters from different parts of the world. And, and, uh, but by the end of it, by the last, uh, night, they're blowing up Las Vegas with a nuclear weapon and they have to kill the devil. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's pretty trippy, but was uh, it the devil Randall flag? Yeah. Randall flag, which if you know Stephen King novels, he shows up a lot. Randall flag is yeah. in a lot of stuff. Man in black in the gunslinger series. Yeah. Dark yeah. tower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also the, uh, what was the, uh, uh I closed my eyes. eyes of, I still see his mullet. Eyes of the dragon. Eyes of the dragon was a fantasy yeah. novel and it had him in it too. Uh, yep. Um, yep. Yep. But the but the the movie had everybody from the nineties and it had Gary Sinise, Molly Ringwald, Rob Lowe, Matt Frewer, Shawnee Smith, Ray Walston. Hey, Molly Ringwald was ours, man. <laughs> she was still around. You can have uh, her. <laughs> yeah, check her out on Riverdale. You can have her. Oh, she's still she's still working. Good for her. <laughs> Sometimes. Um I couldn't bring myself to watch Riverdale. <laughs> Just like it, Archie, but as a murder. Look. Season one was fantastic. I watched the first Every, couple of episodes, but everything I, after season one is trash. Yeah. Just absolute garbage. Okay. But season one is really good. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and if you, if you want to see the stand, the whole thing is available for free on YouTube, but it's all in one video. So if you can't watch it on in six hours, then you have to pause it or come back to it later or something like that but, mm-hmm. but yeah i, I, I do recommend stand it and i just i couldn't get it i've never read it i've never read the stand all the way through but uh but the but that version of the movie i didn't really like the remake of course i haven't seen the whole thing i only watched the first couple yeah. episodes but the but that one and it may have just been because i was what 94 i was like 16 or 17 something like that uh so I didn't really know what good movies were at the time, <laughs> but, but, uh, that movie I, I found really entertaining back then. So it's been forever since I've seen it. So I might take you up and check that out on YouTube to see if I can see just to see if I can watch more than 10 minutes without going. Okay. Well, you know, early nineties, that was the thing every year. Stephen King had a mini series mm-hmm. and it was like appointment TV. You want, cause I mean, other than VCRs, you know, you could record stuff with a VCR, but we didn't have DVRs and stuff like that. You watched it when it came on. Did you, did you put it on your list? Cause it was a mini series. I didn't put it on my list because, uh, because <laughs> I already had this on there and I didn't want my whole list to be Stephen King. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, it is, is another good one. It, the Tommy knockers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wasn't the, the Langoliers a mini series? The Langoliers. Well, yeah, but it was just two nights. It was a two night. Okay. Okay. And then, um, and then there were some that he made that weren't based on novels. Like he did the storm of the century mm-hmm. and he did one called Rose matter, which was a haunted house type, the haunting kind of, kind of. Yeah. Thing. And it was, I mean, I remember it being pretty good. Terrible book though. Rose matter. I didn't know yeah. it was a book. No, maybe it, is, it wasn't Rose. Matter. It was Rose red was the name of that movie. Uh, I think. Cause yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because this one, this this movie wasn't based on a book. I remember that from the time. Gotcha. But okay, yeah, The Sand. Dave, what, what's the next one on your list? Um, I'm I'm gonna lump two of mine together because okay. they are essentially the same movie. Uh, and they even aired on two different networks, one on CBS and one on ABC, the same night at the same time. One is Casualties of Love, the Long Island Lolita story. Oh yeah. <laughs> About Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, I was obsessed oh. with that story when I was a kid. I was just like, "What is happening in the world?" Was and I was just like, I "Haven't heard in yeah. way too long." <laughs> and like Drew Barrymore was in it, and it was a whole thing. And then like they had uh, on ABC the Amy Fisher story, which was Alyssa Milano. <laughs> that's the one i watched i remember the one with Alyssa milano yeah. oh i i set it up to one to tape at my parents house and one to tape at my grandmother's house so that i could watch both of them and i was yeah. just like i've got to figure out what's happening in this <laughs> based on a true story don't you understand all right i'm gonna i'm going to make a confession here <laughs> and i think maybe this was sort of a mental ice pick but I, for the life of me, can't remember what the deal was with Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco. Why? Why do I even know them? Amy Fisher was a uh, she was like a teenager that mm-hmm. that was uh, dating Joey Buttafuoco, and he kept promising, "I'm going to leave my wife," and he wasn't doing it. So Amy Fisher went to her house and shot her in the face. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. And uh, and she survived. She survived. Yeah. And Amy Fisher went to jail for a while. And Joey Buttafuoco mm-hmm. made a living uh, appearing in guest appearing and stuff after that <laughs> yeah. i couldn't remember what the what the the torrid part was that's right she yeah said, yeah okay and also there's a fantastic um <laughs> going back weirdly uh, we were talking to think of in between the shows about news radio and uh that oh my god it's one of my favorite shows of all time yeah but there's there's a bit where andy dick is on he's wrapping up an, a story about amy fisher and everyone's just staring at him like with their mouths agape and everything. And he's like, what, what's going on? And they're like, I, I don't think you pronounced that guy's name right, Matthew. And he's like, <laughs> what is, is Joey, but no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and he realizes what he does. And he's like, Oh my God, please don't yeah. fire me. Please don't the, fire me. The FCC will be visiting us later. <laughs> try, try Rodriguez. But they they aired both of those on the same night on different networks. I didn't realize they did. that. They That's did. Funny. Yeah. That's funny. Because they always, I mean, it, whenever there was a, whenever there was something big, they made movies about it, and and mm-hmm. and it wasn't abnormal to have different networks make different versions of the same thing. But it's kind of strange to air on the same night. Yeah, it's weird. Split your audience like that because it's the same audience is going to want to just which one do you want to watch more? Drew Barrymore or Alyssa Milano? Alyssa Milano. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, Rick, what about you? What's the next one you got? Okay. This one is from uh, 1973. Uh, And this one. I remember very clearly because it scared the crap out of me. Um, Again, I haven't seen it since it aired in 1973, so I can't say that you should go out and watch this, but Frankenstein, the true story. Have any of you (laughs) ever seen this? I've never heard of it, no. No, I don't know that one. 
it was a big deal because it was, you know, it was. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, here, story. Here, here's, here's who who was in it. Um, James, James Mason. Mason. Yeah. Jane Seymour. Uh, oh, that's quality. Right away. Yeah, well, it was. It was like <laughs> or one of Jane Seymour's first big roles. She mm-hmm. and it it kind of combines. Uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, and it, it the, there's just a bunch of really creepy scenes. Like you, uh, Doctor Frankenstein and his, I don't know if his friend was Henry, Henry Clerval or whether it was Polidori. Um, it mashed a bunch of Ooh, Tom Frankenstein Baker was in it. together. Yeah. Um, Ooh, well now this has become appointment viewing. I've got to find it. <laughs> what what'd you say? Tom Baker was in it. He was. Yeah, he's okay. just credited as Sea Captain. Oh, (laughs) Tom Baker and Jane Seymour. I've got to watch this now. (laughs) So like there's the, there's a scene where he reanimates an arm and, and then, and then there's this, I I don't remember the context, but like the arm gets away and it's like crawling across the floor. And so he pours acid over it and you just, you just see this arm dissolve into bones. And I just, I remember that scene very vividly. And the, the, the concept is like the, the, the monster uh, who is played by some young handsome dude is is beautiful, and so then Frankenstein builds Jane Seymour, and she's beautifuler, and mm-hmm. and I think that he falls in love with her, and the monster falls in love with her, but then eventually the 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 monster the the the, the things Frankenstein creates start to become to deteriorate, become hideous, and become horrible, and and then the horror ensues. And, um, I just, I, it, it's, it was very atmospheric, very Gothic. I really, you know, I really want to watch it again. Cause I, I, I cannot for the life of me tell you if it was any good, Yeah, but I, that... it had a big effect on me as a kid. Um, this was also right around the same time that Frank Langella's Dracula came out. And I thought for the life, I thought that was going to be a made for TV movie, but it was apparently a theatrical release. Um, but if you've never seen Langella's Dracula, it's not good, but he's amazing in it. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, I've, I'm knocking shit off the table. Again. It's very rare that he's in anything that he's not amazing in. Yeah, he he always, you know, but he was the first uh, really sexy Dracula. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, Lugosi was sexier than, like, the Dracula in the book, but he's yeah. still very, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of sex appeal to Lugosi's Dracula. Langella was just oozing gorgeousness all over the screen um and like there's this one scene where he like he like cuts his, uh just slices his belly open so it's bleeding and then he makes lucy or mina drink it and it's just like this is even for 1975 this was some pretty racy shit on TV. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, speaking of <laughs> Dave, you're a Jane, you said you're a Jane Seymour fan. Have you, have you ever seen the sitcom, uh, be positive? Is it be positive? Yeah. On CBS. I haven't seen it. It just looks so bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's weird because the first season and the second season were so different because the first season was about this guy that needed a kidney transplant mm-hmm. And he's falling in love with the girl that's going to donate the kidney to him and stuff. Right. Well, they, they did all that. They didn't really know where to go after that. So in the second season, she like inherits a lot of money and she buys the nursing home that she works at. 
And wow. now you've got all the old people that live in the nursing home. They're like the characters on the show. And Jane Seymour is one of them. And she's like this overly sexed, horny, uh, older lady, you know, and she's pretty so funny. She's basically her role from Wedding Crashers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I was a little disappointed by like the the trailers I saw for Be Positive because I really liked that lead actress. She was in she was fantastic in Masters of Sex. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that with um, Lizzie Kaplan and um, I can never remember that guy's name, Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen, yeah, yeah, him. yeah. It's about um, the the real people like the was uh, Virginia and um, Bill Masters. They were actual like, uh, like sexual psychologists or something that were did a lot oh, of research. Yes, 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 yes. These people. It was a dramatization of their life, so much so that like to avoid legal issues, they had to give them an inaccurate amount of children, and ha- their names had to be completely different because the families didn't want anything to do with the show. But yeah. it was a fantastic show. Um. She was also yeah. on that uh, uh, American Crime Story this past season. Did the, mm-hmm. the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, yeah. And uh, and she was on it playing Paula Jones, and they put this big fake nose on her and stuff. They didn't have to put a big fake nose on her. She's already got a big nose. And Clive, uh, was it Clive, <laughs> Clive Owens is that the actor's name? Clive Owens played uh, Clive Owen. Yeah. yeah, he played Bill Clinton. Oh, that's weird. Also with a big fake nose. That's weird. That's weird. Well, he does have a big fake nose. <laughs> All right. The next, <laughs> next one I got here on my list is uh, from 1986, Return to Mayberry. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Damn this, it, I this, didn't think about Return to Mayberry at this all. This is both the best and the worst thing that's ever been on TV. Yes. Because if you're an Andy Griffith fan, it was great because you got to see everybody come back together. They had this big reunion. You got to see the darlings sing again, mm-hmm. uh, all this kind of stuff. But unless you... so off and weird. Yeah, if you, <laughs> unless you like really bad movies, which I do on occasion... Um, this movie was bad. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was, it had, uh, it had some funny moments, but overall it was the dumbest plot that they could have found to just figure out a way to glue all this together, to get all these characters together again and, and mm-hmm. have an excuse for a movie. But the plot is that Andy comes back to town because Opie's wife is having a baby. Mm-hmm. And he also plans on running for sheriff again while he's there. But then he finds out that Barney's also running for sheriff and he doesn't want to run against him. And then the sea monsters start showing up in, in Myers Lake mm-hmm. and uh, fast forward to the end. And it was Barney's opponent trying to make him look bad by having Ernest T. Bass pretend to be a sea monster and all this kind of stuff. And it, it was kind of crazy, but, and then you yeah. had Howard Sprague asking how his, you know, he kept dyeing his hair different colors and asking Andy, Andy how it looked and all this kind of stuff. So well, that was that was painfully in in character, though, for real. Like, yeah. that, was, <laughs> that is what Howard would be doing. But it was kind of strange <laughs> because you had all these characters from the you got two different eras of Andy Griffith. You got the black and white show and you got the mm-hmm. color show. And there's different characters on both of those. And but they were putting them all together. So you had Goober and Gomer at the filling station. And then you had, uh, it was the G and G shop actually. Yeah, wasn't G- it? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you had Howard, Howard was there 
but Barney, um, but I mean, uh, uh, some of the other characters that weren't there at yeah. the time that Howard was there, they were also there and stuff. You know, the Darlings were there and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, not something that I'll ever, I mean, of course, Andy's gone now, but I mean, basically yeah. everybody from that show other than Ron Howard is gone now, you know, so yeah. I was Thelma, so Thelma Lou, the lady that played Thelma Lou just passed away a few months, a couple months ago. Did she? Yeah. I didn't even realize that. I didn't yeah. hear that. Betty Lynn. Yeah. Um, and she yeah, was no. still signing up. Like if you went up to, uh, what Mount Airy, if you went to Mount yeah. Airy, which is where Mayberry is based on, uh, she was going to the, the chamber of commerce once a week and signing autographs. And yeah. the line was wrapped around the block every time. I mean, she I was, saw like she was something years old. So. Yeah, I saw she was working as like a door greeter at the Walmart. They're like, oh, yeah, come on. It was like a tourist attraction. Like, come get greeted at Walmart by Thelma Lou. <laughs> it was, you know, bizarre. But, yeah, I man, I was telling my wife. I was coming, I was coming up with my list, and I was like, Sean is going to say, I know Sean is going to say <laughs> something that I'm not going to think of. And I'm going to be like, damn it. <laughs> Because Return to Mayberry should be on my list. <laughs> and it's not. I, I must have looked at, you know, 500 made-for-TV movie lists online, and that did not appear on any of them. Well, it's just always in the back of my mind. I, I watched it not too not too long ago. It, it was on YouTube. I don't know if it's still mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah. It was a... Uh, and it's also strange because they, they killed Aunt B, but the lady that played Aunt B was still alive when they made the movie. It's just yeah. Andy well, and, they, Andy and had, uh, yeah. Francis, what was it? Francis Bovier or something. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, they didn't really, they didn't really get along very well. She, she was, she called him and apologized like a week before she died. So yeah. Yeah. There was, there was drama between Andy and Aunt B. Yeah. yeah they she, didn't get along. She was, she was a film actress she was used to a different filming schedule and she was uh she considered herself to be more professional than all this tv stuff going on and uh, but she also at the time couldn't get another job so she she yeah. i mean she was on she was on the Andy Griffith show all the way from the beginning to the end and she was on uh Mayberry RFD the entire time you know as well so yeah well, I, I saw her in a couple of movies and she was basically Aunt B and everything she was she was in the day the earth stood still. Yeah, and yeah. She was, she was, in, the she day was the in a lot of stuff. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, there's a scene where Andy goes to her um grave mm-hmm. and he has a um memory of I mean they don't like have a uh flashback or anything, but he's remembering her saying something and they play her talking but it's not her it's some other old lady mm. <laughs> and it's just it's just really weird they should just let the whole thing out but well, she may have pissed off a producer who was like her we're not getting her back in here yeah, yeah andy she pissed off andy yeah <laughs> well also but, also towards the end of her life i think she really i think she kind of has some dimension and stuff like that yeah, be, yeah. so but yeah uh, that voiceover it was like the one of the worst Aunt B impressions I've ever heard, and she's saying like the most asinine thing. You'd think like Andy's standing at her grave; he's got to have like a nice memory, not just like make sure you your eat pe- your vegetables, eat your peas. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you remembering that? Like, <laughs> all right, 
<laughs> I used to love the way she would berate me. <laughs> but see, that's a that's a movie trope that uh, of uh, people going and visiting graves, and then they're they're visited by the voice or they're visited by yeah. the ghost. And the one show, the one movie that did it the best was MacGruber. <laughs> oh, I never, I never saw that because he goes to her grave <laughs> to visit her, and her ghost shows up to to tell him something and then they end up having sex on the grave. <laughs> oh. Becomes Magru- Ghostbusters. MacGruber's a great movie. <laughs> and it's a great TV series on Peacock now. So uh, <laughs> yeah, did they on that one. <laughs> did they keep it canon that MacGyver's his dad from the SNL sketches? <laughs> I I don't think they I don't think they went I don't think they went there in this in this uh well in the movie Duration. I know they didn't but yeah the movie had it was the last film role that i think val kilmer did now it wasn't the last one the last one he did was the one where they had to basically make him not talk because his voice had gotten Mm. so bad uh but it was it was really close it was one of the last things that he did but um i forgot he was having he can yeah yeah he had throat cancer or something like that yeah yeah all right dave what's the next one you got um i am actually really excited because in looking this one back up I didn't realize there were two sequels. <laughs> so now I'm going to track those all of all of this down and dude, Sarah played in tall from 1991. It was a Hallmark uh, film. It was Glenn close and Christopher Walken. I loved the book. I loved the novel and uh, I loved this movie. I loved Christopher Walken and Glenn close. And uh, I am absolutely going to track down Skylark and winter's end and watch those sequels <laughs> i didn't realize it had sequels either yeah we we yeah i think we watched that like in school i think we watched that in class one day when it was raining outside or something like that but yeah i read the book when i was a kid too yeah i As, watched it at home for pleasure yeah <laughs> <laughs> i liked the book because i did read that in school yeah and then i was like oh crap they're they got a movie Cause like, I'm like over here, like nine or whatever, <laughs> eight or nine. And I would like pull out a little TV in- guide insert thing, like the local TV guide thing at my grandmother's house. And that's what I would do on su- sun- Sunday afternoon. I'd have like Andy Griffith playing on VHS tape and I'd just be going through and highlighting stuff in that book, the, the tape. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was a big reader when I was a kid and uh I don't read as much now because at 44, if I read 10 lines of a novel, I fall asleep. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> Nothing to do with but, age, dude, at all. It's all about the kids. <laughs> but, yeah. But, um, but I remember in school, you know, there were certain novels that you had to read. And most of my class was like, oh, we don't want to read that. And I'm like, yeah, give me another book. You know, that's, that's where I read The Outsiders and, uh, yeah. of Mice and Men and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, by the way, Rick, I don't have children and I very much fall asleep like two pages <laughs> into anything. Like in the last five years, it's just gotten like, God, just, oh. no, I'm, I'm the same way. It just, it just took me longer than 40 to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I'm all about audiobooks now, because if I sit down to read a, a physical book, I'm out in two paragraphs. Well, the thing I like about audiobooks is like, I just stopped listening. Like yeah, I, will, I, I tend to zone out sometimes. Yeah. And then I miss, I miss something and I have to end up well, rewinding it. The bet and, and Tolkien fans, if you want to give me shit about it, you, you, I'll tell you my email, the best way to listen to Lord of the Rings <laughs> or the best way to 
consume Lord of the Rings is on audiobook so that you can zone out during the pages and pages and pages of descriptions of grass and blades and twigs and elven songs and hobbit songs and orc songs <laughs> just yeah there's so much crap i <laughs> you know i i tolkien was a genius and you know he was writing in the days before tv when people enjoyed 20 hours of just sitting there reading but good god those books could use some editing <laughs> oh yeah Tolkien is so I love sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like that. Tolkien was a genius. I loved every single page of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I will never read them again. No. <laughs> I read them once. I only have so many books that I can read in my life. I'm not going to go back and read that one again. Uh, I haven't even yeah. gone back and watched the movies in the last probably 10 years or so, you know, we just own all of the, because they're so all, long, all of the deluxe editions. And we, we, tr- we've tried a couple of times in the last 20 years to sit down and, and all right, we're going to watch them. And we never even get through the fellowship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're is, great, but it's just, who's got that much time anymore. What was that story about Tolkien about like somebody was like, somebody cornered him at some sort of signing or something was like, Hey man, you know, you didn't, According to the Oxford Dictionary, you didn't spell elves right. The plural of elves is, should be elves, according to the Oxford Dictionary. He's like, I wrote the Oxford Dictionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I changed my mind. <laughs> I can make them, I can call them whatever I want. Well, well that's how the whole thing started was he, he, he created a language and then he built up this mythology to back up the language because he was a linguist and a botanist, which is why – off, you know, like the first time I tried to read the Fellowship of the Ring, I got as far as Rivendell, and then he started really going hardcore into the, describing all of the plants around, and I, I and I was eighteen and I fell asleep. <laughs> I wish that yeah. somebody would do like uh, because the the big thing now is releasing like these ten episode limited series and stuff like that, and I wish if somebody went back and took the Hateful Eight. And turned it into a four episode limited series. They did the, they did the cuts, uh-huh. uh, and then you and then you have an episode two. So if you wanted to watch it over four nights, they had already cut it up for you so that you didn't end it in a weird spot or something. They well, they it's would, also extended though. Like yeah, they they, they gave, added some stuff to it. Yeah, they gave Tarantino the ability to go in like if you wanted to add a bunch of shit to it that you had to cut for time before. You want to do that and make it a series? He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, but it was cool because if you're watching it, you don't really know where I should stop it for it to make sense to stop right there. But yeah. they edited it that way. And I wish somebody would go back with Lord of the Rings and turn it into like a 10-episode series that you could watch it like With the that. extended and it, editions. And it would already be edited for you that way so that you yeah. didn't have to pick a well, weird you, spot. Well, you know it. there's a new Tolkien yeah, there's a TV series coming, but I was, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the, the actual movie, just, oh, okay. just yeah. split it up into chunks, right? Which I know John said that he, wa- he watched it not long ago and he did that. He just basically just watched an hour of it or something like that. But I want somebody to find just the right spot <clears throat> to stop it so mm-hmm. that I'm not ending it, you know, like in the middle of a, of an arc or something like that that I, your that body will tell you sean yeah. <laughs> yeah when it's time to when it's time to pee yeah. when it's time to pee that's it for the night i'm no, not watching usually, anymore it's usually when my wife nudges me and said do you want to just go to bed you're falling asleep I'm like, eh, i guess so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right rick what's the next one you got 
Okay, I'm 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 going to take a, a page out of out of Dave's book here, but I'm com- I'm kind of cramming four into one. <laughs> oh, well, that's the, the, ambitious. This this will make sense. Okay, I'm uh, here for it. And, Let's do it. And uh, 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 Greg, <laughs> Greg put us through this on the starbase. Um, Greg Blanchard, um, Gene Roddenberry after Star Trek was canceled. Spent the majority of the 70s trying to remain relevant and trying to get back on TV. And to that end, he created three versions of kind of the same story. Uh, the most success- successful one came out in 19, 19- was released in 1973, and it was called Genesis 2. And it was about, uh, it was kind of a Buck, the Buck Rogers thing, a guy named Dylan Hunt who's a modern person <clears throat> gets frozen. Uh, I, I actually, he did, he did this three different times. It was uh, Genesis two planet earth and a uh, strange new world. Mm. And they were all some variation of Dylan hunt ends up from the past in the future. Uh, but Genesis two, I think was the most coherent one of the three. Um, and, and, and that's, that's really being generous. <laughs> Um, you know, Dylan Hunt wakes up in this post-apocalyptic future where Ted Cassidy and and uh, Marriott Hartley are uh, there, <laughs> and, and there's like <laughs> broken technology, and, and there, there. Oh God, there's one scene where there's like the 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 ruling class all walk around in loincloths and feathered capes, basically. Uh, and there's this one scene where uh, they they are they address the council, and one of the council members is Gene Roddenberry sitting there in like <laughs> this leather loincloth and a feathered cape, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like oh Jesus. Um, but <laughs> there is there is a hilarious in joke in the whole thing because when Marriott Hartley was on. Uh, on Star Trek, she was in the episode um, all, um, all Our Yesterdays, All Our Yesterdays, the the one where Spock and McCoy go back to this, it, go back in time to this frozen world, and Spock, because he hasn't been prepared by the Atavacron, uh, reverts to his primitive nature and falls in love with Zarabeth, played by Marriott Hartley, and uh, at the time, NBC would she was she basically wore a, a what we call a bunny fur bikini. Um, yeah, but at the time the censors would not allow them to show her belly button and they made a big stink about, you can't show her belly button, change the costume. And, and, uh, you know, so they changed the costume and you didn't see her belly button. And so Roddenberry as a big F you to, <laughs> to the, the, the censors in his movie, Marriott Hartley has two belly buttons in this one. <laughs> he said they, he said they owed her one, they owed him one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They owe me a belly button. Um, and John Saxon plays Dylan Hunt. Uh, and uh, if you know genre movies of the 70s, genre movies and TV shows, you'll you'll know John Saxon immediately. He died, I think, like five or six years ago. But uh, um, they get progressively worse as, as the iterations go on. Um, but the, if you are a fan of Roddenberry, if you are a fan of Star Trek, especially the original series, you owe it to yourself to see these just to see. I don't want to say that Star Trek was a fluke, 
because obviously the next generation proved that Roddenberry did still have, he had some good ideas. He just needed to have good people around him to make them, to, to refine them. You know, people like Gene Kuhn and, and, and uh, Bob Justman and, and, uh, um, 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 DC Fontana. DC, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. DC Fontana. And I, I, I'm blanking on names right now. Uh, but anyway, you know, G- Gene's real genius was in hiring really good people. People who would say, no, that's stupid, but we can take this out of it, you know, and, and, and going on with it. Did you say um, Robert Justman? Yeah. Bob Justman was you know, okay. vital. Matt Jeffries, who designed, who was the art, you know, designed the Enterprise and the mm-hmm. Battle Cruiser and, and all of that stuff. Um, I love his tube. Well, that's why they. He, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not a misconception. Jeffries did not. The, the the Jeffries tube was never named in in TOS. It wasn't until it, it was kind of one of those things that we all called it a Jeffries tube, but it was never on, mentioned on screen until TNG at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it was after Jeffries had passed away, unfortunately. Um, Herb Solo, that was the name I was. Oh. I can't imagine I forgot his name because I interviewed the man. He was wonderful. Um, but, uh, you know, Roddenberry was really good at hiring good people that, you know, kind of like George Lucas's genius was never in writing. It was in bringing in people who could take what he was writing and polish the turds. He was, you got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, like the prequel trilogy, if you want to see what unfiltered Roddenberry was like, watch these three movies. I don't, and I have seen a chunk of the first Genesis two. I've Genesis two big... was a staple of Saturday of Sunday afternoon television for a long time. Yeah, in the, in the pre-cable days. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other one I want I want to fold into this this souffle is Trekkies, um, mm. which showed up in a list of made for tv movies and i didn't think it was I, it was in it, it was in the theater was. i remember it being in the, i didn't see it in the theater but i remember it being in the theater maybe it was that's the documentary right that didn't yeah, denise the, crosby put and, together yeah yeah well no she didn't put it together she, oh, was, she just, was hosting she was it, just yeah. brought in to, to to narrate it yeah um but uh if you haven't seen it trekkies is this wonderful documentary uh, you expect it to be kind of a hatchet job kind of like what we expected galaxy quest to be and then were pleasantly surprised to find out it was a love letter to the fans and to, and to Star Trek with enough humor in it to go, we're laughing at ourselves as a, we're laughing, you know, with each other at ourselves as opposed to being ridiculed by the movie. And Trekkies is exactly like that. It's, it's a very honest look at fandom. Uh, it came out in 97. So it's, you know, fandom at that point. Um, and it doesn't pull any punches. You know, it shows you some people who are, even by our standards, like, dude, you need to take a pill and relax a little bit. Um, but it's very respectful. It's very, it's, it's, it's an, it's a, it's a love letter to the fans as opposed to, you know, let's make, you know, like, you know, triumph the comic dog at the, at the opening of, of, uh, of the Phantom Menace, uh, which is hilarious. Look up the video. It's, <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's um, fantastic. <laughs> what what is he when he asks um have you ever seen a vagina <laughs> i 
no, I like okay. First of all, I like the one where he he was interviewing the Star Wars lady. She was pregnant, and he's like, "That's the last time he'll see a vagina." <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> then he's like talking to someone in a Darth Vader outfit, and he points <laughs> to his chest plate, the buttons. And he's like, "Does that button call your parents to pick you up?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's on YouTube. It's really worth a watch. Or me to poop on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Trekkies. While there are moments where you're like, you seriously went to jury duty in your Starfleet uniform, all right, whatever. Um, it, it's it's very much a, a a tribute as opposed to a hatchet job, and I I think that the, the these kind of all complement each other in that you know it's good to know who Roddenberry really was, and to not you know I used to to venerate the man <clears throat> beyond all reason. Uh, and then I started to learn more about him. And, you know, Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry was an incredibly flawed human being, even by normal standards. He was, you know, but he had some brilliant ideas and he was really good at putting together a great team. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's like, you gotta, you gotta see these movies to understand that he really only had about five good ideas and he was trying <laughs> yeah. to redo them over and over and over again. Um, I thought but, you were going to loop in Quester. I, I, it was, <laughs> it came, I haven't seen Quester. I, I haven't either. It. I, if anyone knows where you can find the Quester tapes, I would love to watch them because I, you know, it, it's proto data, but it was also one of the biggest views <laughs> Roddenberry ever gave to Nimoy and almost yep. ruined Nimoy from Star Trek. Almost one of the main reasons that they had a lot of trouble getting him back for movies and stuff was the whole Quester tape debacle where Roddenberry promised him the lead yep. and then yanked it out from under him without even telling him he showed up for makeup and they went, what are you doing here? <laughs> God. Yeah. It was terrible. You can buy them on DVD. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm why. seeing some Ebays and some Walmart oh, yeah, and some stuff like that. Probably stupid expensive. How was Trekkies too? Did you? See I that? haven't seen it. Um, seen Trekkies too? Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing, and they they go back yeah. and they revisit some of the people that were in the first one. Oh, that's and, interesting. And just show like, like I think there was a. If I, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember any names or anything like that. But there was this one guy in Trekkies that stands out that he was he was just like an ultra nerd. And was uh, he the kid with the lisp and the mullet who had a uniform made for him? And maybe, and he was—he was, he was kind of the—he was sort of narrating a lot of the a lot of Trekkies, and it was just like, yeah Get away from this guy. He's in yeah, and he yeah. had like a whole group of people who were like filming a Star Trek thing, and they all had their uniforms and stuff. And was like, what are we talking about here? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, and he please. was taking he was taking action figures and he was painting them to because things had changed since the toy had come out or something like that. Well, now that's okay. But, yeah, <laughs> but, but in, they they went back and revisited him in Trekkies too, and I think he had he had gotten married and had a kid, oh. or something like that. So, yeah. it, so it good for happen. him. We, you know, we 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 do occasionally. <laughs> we find our Eve from time to time. All right, the next one on my list is uh, <laughs> from 1989, Lonesome Dove. Ooh, and I'm I'm not a guy that typically likes westerns. I mean, sometimes I enjoy them. Like 
1883 that just ended last night. I thought oh, it was, was that good. It was incredible. I loved it. What's it? What's it a spinoff of? It is a prequel to Yellowstone, but you don't have to know anything about Yellowstone to like it. Yeah, it's I should, in, in Yellowstone, uh, the main character, I mean, like they, they live on a ranch in Montana yeah. and, uh, 1883 is about like his great grandfather and how he got to Montana. And as yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the only connection. They're not really connected beyond well, that. Both of those have looked really good to me. Yeah. Oh, I love Yellowstone, but 1883 and, was like a limited 10 episode series. It's not going to have a season two or anything like that. But, but it, they are doing another prequel that's got to be like 1939 or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. They're going to continue it on. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because they're going to show like the different generations. Like they're going to yeah. do a 1933 and, and probably go on and do yeah. another one after that. But, and I love Sam Elliott. So, oh, Sam Elliott was great in this, in this, in this show. Um, but, uh, Lonesome Dove was a uh mini series that was based on a novel by Larry McMurtry. McMurtry? Yeah. And uh it may have been the first western that I actually sat down and watched because they did this thing back in uh, the the late 80s, early 90s where they would show the mini series like in the fall around sweeps time, around ratings time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then if you didn't see it or whatever, they would usually rerun it in the spring. So when it came out in the fall, we didn't see it, but everybody was like, Oh, that movie was so good. And, and my dad really wanted to see it. So when it came on in the spring, we all sat down and watched it and really enjoyed it. And it's got Robert Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones, Danny Glover, Diane Lane, and Angelica Houston in it. So it's an all-star cast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's about two men that used to be Texas Rangers. Now they're running this horse stable in a town called Lonesome Dove and, uh, you know, they have an adventure and, and, uh, they've made some movies since then, like Comanche moon, I think, or something that are like loosely tied to that, but they're more Mm -hmm. like just based on other books. They're not necessarily set with the movie. They did do another movie. They did like return to lonesome dove. I don't remember if I watched it or not. So it must not have, you know, it must not have been great for me or whatever, but, and they also did two seasons of a TV series. Lonesome dubbed the series, um, which that was the thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. You would just name something, whatever the series. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you don't was, use any of the original okay. cast. You can, you can say that yeah. the same people, but they're not. <laughs> you, recast, you recast everybody and it's usually syndicated and shown at 11 o'clock on a Saturday mm-hmm. night or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a decent show and it was not about those Tommy Lee Jones and Robert Duvall are the main characters in Lonesome Dove. And it, the series was not about either one of them. It was about one of the other characters that was like, you know, circular to the, to their characters. All right. Yeah. I enjoyed it. You not, you've never seen it. Uh, I, uh, no, I, I'm aware of it and, uh, in growing up, you know, when I was grow when I was young, I didn't care anything about Westerns. Mm. Weirdly, when I got about 23, 22, I just gotten like super into Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> and Sergio Leone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I got really into like, um, I really liked, uh, John Q. Sex, the Jack Bull and whatnot. And just really got into some like weird Western stuff. But um, when I was growing up, you know, my grandparents would always be like, 
flipping around and then you just hear them in the background go, Oh, lonesome dove. <laughs> and they, they would sit down and watch it. And I'm like, is it the same movie that you're always watching? Is it a show? Is it a, what is See, it? That's the, like, way, that's the way my grandparents were with like Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. Because oh my God. Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. They would show that movie. <laughs> On PBS, they would show that movie mm-hmm. at least once a year. And when they showed it, yeah. my grandmother was going to watch it. It yeah. didn't matter if she'd seen it 50 times or not. What was the other one? The um, Annalee or something? I can't remember what it's called. Anne of uh, Avonlea. Yeah, they did like Evan, Yes, Anne, Anne of, of Avonlea. Yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of them. No, there was like, I looked it up probably a year or two ago. They've got they're a Netflix like, series now called Anne with an E. Yeah, and it's, they're like seven or eight movies, man. Like, See, my wife, my wife loves them. Every time we find another iteration of Anne, Anne of Green Gables, my wife wants to watch it. I mean, I can't talk shit. I'm over here watching Sarah Plain and Tall, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I, I watched like everything that like Little House ever put out, you know, but <laughs> I think the, I think that's the thing that I didn't like about Westerns when I was a kid is just that they were always on my, 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 my grand. <laughs> My grandfather watched them when, uh-huh. I, when I was at his house. There was going to be a Western on. My dad watched them, but he watched more yeah. of the 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 newer stuff as as far as the eighties and the nineties. The newer stuff. Yeah. My grandfather was watching the old stuff, and yeah. but they were just always there. But as I grew up, and I watched some of these things, I realized that you know I, I've compared at uh, at conventions when I'm doing panels. I've said that the superhero movies of today are the Westerns of yesterday because um, a Western is such a broad genre because it can be anything. It can be a heist movie or it can be a drama mm-hmm. or it can be, you know, it can be all kinds of stuff. And that's what the superhero movies are now. You know, they're, just, they're all superhero movies, but they're split up and, you know, this is a revenge movie. This is a mm-hmm. heist movie, you know, that kind of stuff. So absolutely. Westworld. Westworld is the, the. I was trying to think of like the last Western because the, the, they did a, a True Grit a few years back. Or yeah. Make a True Grit, which wasn't bad. wasn't bad. Um, but I think the, the, the only Western I've really enjoyed in the last, you know, 30 years maybe was, was Westworld. Um, the, the series or the, the series. Okay. I thought you were talking about that old Yul Brenner movie. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> the old Yul Brenner one was. It, it was very much a product of its time and for its time it was fine future but, world was garbage but uh, westworld was it, it you know it was the terminator before the terminator happened and uh uh it was it was not bad uh, you know by the standards of the time yeah but know, 30 movies. years huh 30 years I'm, I'm not a fan of the genre um I enjoyed- like unforgiven um, good yeah. god don't get me started on that snooze fest oh my <laughs> god i actually i took a date to see that movie she was visiting me from england and oh. we went to see she wanted to see unforgiven and oh good lord that movie is boring <laughs> 310 to yuma haven't seen it the original or the remake well, I was going to go with the remake, but the, I mean, Glenn Ford in the original is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I did like, uh, uh, there was one that came out a few years ago that was called Hell or High Water that had Jeff Bridges uh-huh. and Chris Pine in it. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. the one that's on Netflix that has like an all, uh, African American cat, almost, almost all African American cast? It's got, uh, I don't know. Regina and Regina, um, what's her name? Regina King, Regina King's in it. Uh, hold on a second. Let me look it up. Cause it's, 
it's great because it's almost it, it, it's a western and it takes place in you know the old west and it's about people that actually existed but it's also kind of tongue in cheek and it's and it's yeah. very action oriented and let me look it up uh Netflix Wait, you said 30 years Back to the Future 3 Oh God! I'm, I'm I'm one of the heretics who's not a huge Back to the Future fan. I, I, oh, I enjoyed oh, the but... first movie. The, the second two didn't do much for me. Rick, man, I, I I grant you, I should be burned at the stake for it. Oh, I said Back to the Future Three is the one that they used to show on TV the most, so I've probably seen it the most times. Um, the harder they fall is what it's called. It's on Netflix, okay. and it's only been out for like the last six months, so it's it's pretty new. Okay. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, man. You know, the you're... thing is, I grew up in you know, I grew, I, I was born in the late in the mid sixties. Um, but you know, as a kid, the majority of my TV watching was in the in the seventies and eighties. So I grew up on little, well, a little bit of Little House in the Prairie, but like Bonanza and the Wild Wild West was. You know, Jim West was one of my my holy trinity of Jim West, mm-hmm. James Kirk, and and uh, and uh, Steve Austin. Um, you know, as a kid, so uh, and and the Cartwright boys were my favorites as far as westerns go. Um, but you know, it was all very sanitized, very clean, racist as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, uh, you know, I, and some of the some of the the John Wayne movies I enjoyed. Uh, what was it? Three Three Mules for Sister Sarah, something like that. That's, that's Eastwood. Two Mules for Sister Sarah, and that's oh, that's that's Eastwood. That's right. Clint Eastwood, yeah. And and true, a Rooster Cogburn. That's the one I'm thinking of with okay. with, uh, with um Kate Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those were fun. Uh, I, I watched The Watchers for the first time. Are the, the Watchers? No, not The Watchers. The the, the, the Searchers. Searchers. The Searchers. Which was like supposed to be the the you know the the quintessential John Wayne Western. Yeah. And it was so racist I could not enjoy a, a minute of it. Yeah. Um I'm not a big John Wayne guy. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, some, <laughs> there, there were, you know, like the the what's the movie that plays every St. Patrick's Day? The Quiet Man? Where there's like that twenty minute fist fight. And mm-hmm. my stepdad used to watch that every year. And so I've seen that scene a hundred times. Yeah. I've never seen the whole movie. Um, but just in, in general, I've, I've found Westerns to either be, you know, the modern Western, which is gritty and dirty and painful and, and, and uh, you know, like kind of like Game of Thrones or, or Deadwood, where it's just, anger and death and pain and disease and, and unpleasantness or uh-huh. it's so sanitized <laughs> that it's like, Oh, this is, this is just yeah unbelievable. And so I just, I just avoid the genre now. It just, it just depends for me. Like it, it's like any other, you know, people are like, Oh, how can you like Westerns? I'm like, oh, I don't like Westerns. I like certain Westerns, mm-hmm. high plains yeah. drifter, Sergio Leone stuff, you know, like, <laughs> spaghetti Western, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, and really, that's just like live action anime, I guess, because yeah. <laughs> he just ba- he ripped off Kurosawa. Um, it's just yeah, I I I, mean, I I do I do like a lot of Eastwood stuff. I do like a lot of the more modern westerns, but um, I can't do John Wayne generally. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't. Have you ever seen The Conqueror? 
<laughs> oh, that's that's you you oh it, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it, John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all I need to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is all you need to say. Actually, all you need to say is John Wayne. Yeah, because I just like it's swaggering bullshit. So I don't know. Plus, like it is like a lot of John Wayne stuff is like it is that like very sanitized. Like you know, that's one of the things I love about Battle of the Future Three is like he totally dresses up like a John Wayne character. And shows up in the old west, and they're like, "What the hell are you wearing, boy?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got the pink shirt. Yeah, the brand new cowboy boots and all. Yeah, yeah. I, I will, I will be honest. I only saw it the one time when it was out in the movie, you know, in, in the cinemas, and uh, I haven't seen it again. So I, I could be judging it unfairly. Um, yeah, and you get that one racist line. What's that guy that used to do? You hear his voice a lot. He used to be on Green Acres, and he kind of talked yeah. like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, "What are you, some kind of Chinese?" Yeah, he said, like, "You look like you <laughs> took them off a dead Chinese." <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Ugh. All right, um, all right. We're gonna go around one more time, and if you have whatever you have left that you want to throw out, we'll we'll throw those out. So, um, the ones that I want to mention are the the Jesse Stone movies, which I can't pick one because there's like ten of them. But it's a, <laughs> it's a series that uh, it's based on a series of books by Robert B. Parker, and they all star Tom Selleck, and he plays this guy that used to be a detective in L.A., and he's an alcoholic, and uh, I think his wife died. So he left, and he went to become the chief of police in this little Massachusetts coastal town. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there's a lot of uh, corruption in the government and the guy that used to have his job was corrupt and, but he's not corrupt, you know, so he's not, he's, I'm having none of that, but, uh, but the movies are pretty good, but they're, they're more of a, it, it feels more like you're watching a TV series that just has one episode every year, you yeah. know, so, uh, but like a Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but they were pretty good and we, we enjoyed them. They're, he's not making them anymore because now he's doing, uh, blue bloods and he's growing avocados in Florida or something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> No, Tom Selleck has an avocado farm. I believe it, man. I believe it. Hey, dude, dude survived cancer. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. <laughs> the other one that I wanted to mention was, um, it was called a deadly adoption and it was, <laughs> it was a lifetime movie. Uh huh. This is, had, this is going to be more like my lot of mine. <laughs> yeah. It had, uh, it had Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig in it, but oh. they were playing it straight. Yeah. But that's kind of where the satire came from because they were playing it straight, but at the same time, it was just ridiculous. Um, it was, it was the typical thing of, uh, of, uh, the, these, uh, I mean, you've, you've heard this plot before where there's this couple that they can't have a baby. So they pay this woman to carry a baby for her, but mm-hmm. she turns out to be like trying to rip them off or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and it just goes on from there. But um, it reminded me of um, because we were recently watching the there's a new show on Netflix. It's called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. That's the name of the show. And it's Mm. got Kristen, Kristen um, from The Good Place, married to Dak Shepard. Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Bell. It's got her in it. And it's a satire of these melodramatic uh kind kind of horror movies but more of a of a thriller type uh 
stuff that you would see on Lifetime, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like the like the woman. In, there's one called the woman in the house. There's one called the girl in the window, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it starts off in the first episode. They're playing it straight. Like this is this is a serious thing that we're doing here. By the last episode, it's completely gone haywire. And there's like a nine-year-old girl that's trying to kill people and stuff like that, you know? So it's, uh, but it's, it's that same kind of thing. They're doing satire on this genre, but they're playing it straight and it just mm-hmm. it makes it even funnier. So yeah, it's called a deadly adoption. It came on the lifetime network, uh, back in 2015. And, uh, okay. it was good. I do remember a, a bit of a kerfuffle about that one. <laughs> people talking about it. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, Dave, what, what you got left? Uh, what I got left? Um, <laughs> or whatever you want to mention. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, the next few are pretty much the same kind of thing. I've got a, I've listed a killer among friends, which was a 92 movie that had, uh, I didn't realize it came out in 92. I must've seen it pop up somewhere, a replay or something, but it was a uh, Patty Duke is a mother grieving her murdered daughter. And, the daughter is Tiffany Amber Thiessen and, uh, uh, you know, winds up, uh, the, the killer is like her shitty friends. <laughs> <laughs> like one of her shitty friends wanted to be her. So she like convinced all the other girls that she was stealing her boyfriends and they like stoned her and drowned her. <laughs> oh, there's a fun. Yeah. Place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the next one, mother, may I sleep with danger? I just love the title. I love the, the title. Yeah, it had Tori Spelling in it. Tori Spelling. Yeah. I've absolutely. seen that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, girl breaks up with her boyfriend. Uh, and, uh, she kissed their mutual friend, Kevin, and then enraged Billy bludgeons Aaron to death and conceals the crime. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, a friend to die for, uh, also, uh, apparently in the UK called death of a cheerleader, but that was from 94. Um, a theme here. I know I used to watch this. Like I was so into this stuff. Like this was based on like the real life murder of Kirsten Costas, who was killed by her classmate, uh, Bernadette Prati. Uh, so that, and it was the highest rated TV movie of 1994. Um, this one I specifically remember really well. <laughs> she fought alone, 1995. This was Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Brian Austin Green from Beverly Hills 90210. At the time, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was not on 90210 yet. She was on Saved by the Bell still. But um, and I had a very big crush on her. Who didn't? <laughs> um but yeah i remember this one she uh basically she starts dating this guy brian austin green they have sex then she catches him with another girl and he was like man we, what we did was not like we we weren't all that you know special you got got it wrong so then but like when, when she had sex with that guy his creepy friend was watching them from afar so then she goes home upset and he's like, his friend is there and he rapes her and then he like rapes her friend. And then Brian Austin green finds out about it and they have like a freaking knife fight at the end of the movie. <laughs> and the, the rapist guy like stabs Brian Austin green in the leg and ruins his football career. <laughs> and it's a whole kerfuffle. And at the end, you know, she, 
like Tiffany Amber Thiessen is like, you know, they, they took down the bad guy and, uh, and she's driving off to college. And as she's driving, this is what, this is what really stuck. I feel like this is the reason I remember this movie as she's driving. <laughs> she's having this like vivid, like montage of the movie we just watched to the soundtrack of hook by blues traveler. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends like her leaving town and i'm like what is the hook in this situation like <laughs> let me show you a screenshot from this movie um yeah <laughs> why is she so happy to be covered in blood <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember that part <laughs> but yeah that is a ridiculous uh oh yeah and her friend abby she said she's gonna come she's leaving for college but she's gonna come back because her friend Abby is pregnant with Jace's rape baby. It's such a weird movie, man. It is probably like the weirdest, most, uh, I don't know, awkward of, of these movies. Um, and I, and I watched this one too, a, a few times. Uh, no one would tell with, um, freaking, Candace Cameron and the guy is the the guy that she's like the jock that she's in love with is freaking Fred Savage (laughs) and he's like super controlling and beats her and whatnot and this this it's the same thing over and over again my last one though is a total departure uh I like it is a sequel it is a made for made for TV movie but as a sequel to two other theatrical movies uh, and I like it more than the the theatrical Revenge of the Nerds 3 the next generation oh, yeah I've seen that <laughs> I remember that yeah like it's got all, most of the same nerds coming back and it's got like Shy McBride it is just fantastic to me like I know a lot of people crap on it it and for the people that crap on it, I say you haven't seen Revenge of the Nerds four Nerds in Love because that one's real bad. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> that one's real bad. But yeah, Revenge of the Nerds three. Just I watched. I had that on a tape, and I just watched the living hell out of it. Ran that tape into the ground, and now I have it on DVD in the other room, <laughs> like in like a four pack of the Nerds movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thankfully, Revenge of the Nerds, they stopped at four and didn't keep going like Police Academy did. <laughs> yeah. And make like, I think, I think Police Academy had, and they had at least six are, movies. They may have had more. Are, are yeah. you sure they're done? I mean, I know most of the cast is dead now, but there's still a couple <laughs> alive. So, well, there was, there were talks a few years ago of doing a reboot of Revenge of the Nerds. And, uh, they, um, everybody's the nerd now. They got a, um, they were going to film it in an actual college and they got everything set up. They were getting ready to actually start filming. Somebody from the college, like, actually took the time to read the script uh-huh. and realized how filthy the movie was going to be and didn't want to have the school associated with it. So they pulled out, uh, no pun intended. They, <laughs> I was about to say, but they, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I guess they lost so much money by losing that location that it just hasn't happened again. So, yeah, I I heard that not only was it just filthy, it was also just really unfunny and really um, 
offensive, like really stereotypical humor that just didn't. Well, I mean, Revenge of the Nerds, Revenge of the Nerds did have a rape. Like one of the, one of the main heroic characters of the story did rape a girl and only was dressed as a gorilla. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Was he a gorilla? I thought he was like a Darth Vader knockoff or something. Yeah, maybe I'm, I may be remembering it wrong, but I know that she, she thought that he was somebody else. And yeah, she yeah. thought that he was Stan Gable, Ted McGinley's character. Yeah. 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 yeah that happened. Yeah. Um, there, there's a reason why a lot of times ago that movie couldn't be made today. And you would think that the people would know better than to try to make that movie today. Well, I mean, yeah. the reboot means, I mean, they might, they probably weren't going to do, go that route. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, but you, you couldn't do Porky's today, and that's really a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a fan of Porky's, though, you I, know? And I hated it. I, I thought it was the stupidest thing I ever sat through. It was through. terrible. It's terrible. There were like, what, eight of them? <laughs> there were at least three of them. I know. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. three of them. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like the, the that moonwalk scene is super, and not even not only that, just like the pictures that they had of Betty that they took from the painting ray that they were like putting like uh, in the pies, you know, at the the carnival or whatever. Yeah, like dude, that's shitty. Don't do that, man. And knowing that he's behind it, she still winds up with him. Like they're married all those years later. I don't know. It, it does sit wrong with me. Same time, I get a line like, what are you looking at, nerd? I would say my mother's old douchebag, but that's in Ohio. A line that I have used several times <laughs> over the course of my life. So, I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, I, I love Real Genius just because it's a it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I, I may be wrong. I may be looking at it, you know, remembering it with rose-colored glasses. But I don't think there's anything in that movie where you go, ooh, we couldn't do that now. I think it really holds up well on the uh it never went mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't remember anything like that from that movie. But Yeah. And I, I, I every now and then you hear some some story about them wanting to reboot it and I'm like just leave it alone. It's just a really good popcorn it's movie. A perfect movie the way it is. Well, I mean, I have see no what, problem with a reboot if it's a see what it's, it's a good version of, you know, like a really interesting take. I don't It doesn't bother me. Because they're not going to ever erase the original. It's not yeah. like uh, when it's a remake like comes out. Away, yeah. 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 That's the argument that I have to have when people talk about how much they hate a reboot or something. You know, it's, it's, I mean, the original's still there. Yeah. They haven't ruined any, and that, it didn't ruin anything. It's still there. You can watch that. Yeah. But, um, okay, Rick, what, what you got? Okay. Uh, I've got, uh, just a few left. Um, uh, nothing as heavy hitting as as you know rape and murder and stuff like that. So uh, sorry, <laughs> it was the nineties. <laughs> um, rape is funny, of- right? <laughs> it, they weren't. He wasn't funny. It wasn't a funny movie. None of these were funny <laughs> movies. They were funny, but not in the right. Not not not. They were supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do have genocide for one. So uh, you know, there were there were several uh, TV series that their their two-hour pilots got released as tv movies mm, yeah um, yeah battlestar galactica the original mm-hmm. which i have tried i mean i love the show as a kid like i said you know lost in space time to all boys about all all of that stuff when battlestar galactica came out in what was it 79 78 something like that it had to be 79 because the the 
we had Galactic 80, which we do not speak of. Um, Why not? It was the precursor to Quantum Leap. <laughs> okay. Seriously, like the premise for that one was like, uh, or was it, or was that, am I thinking of the right one? I'm, no. thinking, of, I'm thinking of Battlestar Earth, right? What is it? Which one is the one where they're actually on Earth? They get the Galactica 1980. They get to Earth and they have okay. the flying motorcycles. And, and But in the and, pilot movie, they're like going back in time to like fix shit. And Donald Belisario was like one of the executive producers. And oh, really? That like stuck with him. Okay. <laughs> um, That's why Quantum Battle, Leap happened. Battlestar okay. Galactica was 1978. Yeah. 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 Sorry, okay. random so, shit gets trapped in my brain. I got no, it <laughs> so anyway, um, you know they they released they released it both on TV as a as a as a made for TV movie and it got a theatrical release. And I'm sorry, the it's boring as hell. How, how yeah. robots destroying twelve <laughs> planets of humans can be boring? This movie is it's just just dull. I cannot. You know, I've tried. I mean, Battlestar Galactica was not a good show, but by 1978 standards, it was fine. And, you know, and it was space and it was robots and it was, you know, John Colicos, which is, you know, John Colicos elevates anything he's in. It was better than Space 1999. Oh. <laughs> I, I, used to, I used to do a, a podcast called uh, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, mm-hmm. where we went back and revisited the shows of our youth and see how they, they held up. And we did season one of, of Space 1999. And while I love the hardware, you know, the Eagle is still one of the best yeah. spaceships ever made. Oh, my God, is that show depressing as hell? Wait, so you, you stopped at, before they got to all the weird magic and shit in season two? Uh, we, did, we only did season <laughs> one. But, yeah, I, I remembered season two just being out there. But season one is such a bummer. Um, yeah. But. You know, I also had a huge crush on Barbara Bain, and so I didn't know that's so fair. Um, however, uh, so Galactica was a bad one. The Bionic Woman was another one that uh, I, you know, uh, Jamie Summers was one of my early boyhood crushes, and mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay Wagner, I think, was a I, I think she was great. I, you know, having to hear Lee Majors sing was not fun. <laughs> if you is Jamie. Oh my god, it still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh uh in in kind of the vein of some of the things you mentioned Sean, uh Rescue from Gilligan's Island and then its sequel Return to Gilligan's Island if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um those even as a kid I was like, "Oh, this is not good." <laughs> you can't you can't forget about Gilligan's Island meets the Harlem Globe Globetrotters. Well, that, that was the car- that was the cartoon. No, 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 no. That oh, was that a, was a live action thing. That was oh, a really? movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think it was the last one they did. Yeah. My my brain changed that. Then. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. In Return to Gilligan's Island, because at, at the end of Rescue to Gilligan's Island, and yeah, I should have had every one of those on my list, but I didn't. <laughs> and Rescue, because I watched Rescue so many times, and Rescue, they get stranded on the island again, and then Return, they like decided to build that damn. Yeah, hotel a resort or some shit on and then on the third one like mr howell was not there because he was too sick and yeah, they had to yeah, replace yeah. him with his son and they had the freaking harlem globetrotters uh playing basketball against robots mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that is something that happened 
It is. Well, and also Tina Louise wasn't in any of them because she really got bamboozled into being on the show in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, She, the, 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 okay. Most of the sources say this is true. I have seen a couple that were saying that she said it was bullshit, but uh, she was under the impression when she took the gig on Gilligan's Island that she was going to be the main character. Mm. And then was very upset to find out she wasn't, but she was already locked into the contract. (laughs) I wanted to be Gilligan. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) You're going to be on this show called Gilligan's Island, but you're the main character. Why am I I, playing? Why am I playing? That's why I I have some doubts about it. But it's you know it's it's the it's the 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 Hollywood lore is that you know she was misled into being in the show because she had such a promising movie career. I don't know, but anyway. Um, but all of that being said, I want to finish up with one of my favorite made-for-TV movies, 1978, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to do that movie one, one month. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll do this month. I don't know. We'll see. Because, uh, it. all right, if, if, if you... If you <laughs> You all may know Kiss as a you know passing you know as a, as a musical group as you know the makeup and the sure. fire and all that stuff. But the tongue, <laughs> yeah. Back in the in the mid seventies, which is when I discovered, I, I still remember uh, my friend Mike Timbro introduced me to Kiss in uh, in geez like nineteen seventy three or four or something like that. Uh, and I remember uh, in art class, I. I uh did a a, a a what were we doing like collage something where you just like use a, a hole punch and you make a bunch of little colored construction paper dots and then you mm-hmm. make a, a picture out of it and i did the rock and roll over cover uh which was this big circle with the the, the four faces um and i was i was just huge kiss fan and so when they announced they were doing a movie, because they like they were on a they they used to do Hollywood or not Hollywood, Halloween specials every year. There was Christmas specials and you know various Halloween or, or holiday specials. And Kiss was on. Al, Alice Cooper did a, a, a Halloween special, and Kiss was on. They did Detroit Rock City. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, then they announced they were doing Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And so in 1978, I'm nine. No, wait a minute. I'm no. Uh, I was. 10 in 74 so i was 15 big difference um and i was really excited and and this was going to be so great and i watched the thing and my god is it awful (laughs) (laughs) it's like sid and marty croft awful um and the but the funniest thing i remember is even at the time i was like wow gene is the only one who can act with any sort of ability whatsoever um you know, the rest of them really sounded like they were standing there going, oh, no, we've got to get to the other side of the bar. Plus, <laughs> they had literally to, that bad. Plus, they had to dub all of them. Um, like, the whole movie was dubbed. Well, it was shot in an old amusement park. They yeah. They had, you know, didn't have a decent, you know, sound recording setup. But, you know, if, after that, Gene Simmons was in a, a at least a couple of movies. He was he was the ba- he was great in in both uh, Runaway, the Tom Selleck robot movie, mm-hmm. uh, and my favorite Gene Simmons performance of all time is uh, Blind Fury with Rutger Hauer, 
Rucker Hauer plays a no, no, not Blind Fury. Um, Wanted Dead or Alive. Wanted Dead or Alive. Mm, thank yeah. you. Because they were they were very similar. Rucker Hauer plays a bounty hunter, and Gene Simmons is a Muslim terrorist who like yeah. to you know and basically what he same character he played in, in Runaway. Um, but at the end of the movie, Howard brings brings Gene Simmons in, and he's shoved a grenade in his mouth, and he's he's got his you know he's got Simmons has his hands tied behind his back, and he's got a grenade in his mouth, and Howard's leading him with the pin. Mm. And he's going to turn him in and get the bounty. And he's, you know, Gene Simmons has played this, you know, absolute bastard through the whole movie. And the, and this is a spoiler for a 30-year-old B movie, so too bad. How um, dare you? <laughs> and, you know, and it's like he's, he's going to collect his money. And, you know, for, I don't even remember why, but the deal is not as good or, or they're going to let him go or some some stupid stuff. And Rucker's just like, <laughs> and he pulls the pin. And No, he was going to get, he was going to get, um. He was going to get less money if he was dead than if he was alive. If he if he was, if he was alive, he would get more money, is what it yeah, was. Yeah, and and by this point, he's so fed up, and he just pulls the pin, and then and but Simmons is not a bad actor um, yeah. in the right role, and in Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, he was you know despite the kept you know making him gr- you know putting all these animal growls and shit into it <laughs> into him and stuff, and Ace Freely had like magical laser powers coming out of his guitar and yeah paul had the power of love or some shit like that <laughs> i mean it was bad even at 15 i was like wow this is terrible but i'm enjoying every second of it 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 kills me the way things come up it's like you know like weird little synchronicities because i was just i have not seen that movie i mm-hmm. only know it because i am a huge Foo fighters fan and someone watched Studio 666 and said, it's basically that movie, but with the Foo Fighters. I want to see that. I want to see and they that. Were, so they were saying Dave is the only person who can act in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the trailer looks awful, but I want to see it so bad. <laughs> it looks awful and fantastic at the same time. Wait, I didn't know the Foo. I didn't, it's, it's called Studio 666? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, just they, came out they made, a movie. they made a They made like a slasher type of, like, it's like an old B horror movie. But yeah, it's about the it's about the Foo Fighters going to record an album in a haunted house, and and <laughs> okay. and Dave gets Dave gets possessed and starts killing people and stuff. And like he that. like yeah, he creates Ruh-ruh. his own he his own note. It's an L note or something, and it's just <laughs> it it seems like crazy, and it's just apparently it winds up being one song, not even a whole album. Like so, he's just obsessed with like this one like. <laughs> crazy song that they've been i don't know and he's like killing that once they actually do their part he keeps killing the foo fighters yeah yeah <laughs> like, uh yeah so i i don't you know, know that but, um that wanted that or alive movie was supposed to be related to the wanted that or alive tv series from back in the 60s the late mm-hmm. 50s uh uh Rutger Hauer was, was that, supposed to be playing Steve McQueen's like great okay. great grandson or something like that. That's weird. Yeah, because that, that was a western. Steve McQueen. I mean, the Steve McQueen version was a western, and yeah. this one took place in modern times as as of mm-hmm. when it came out. You know, so. that's like um, the Green Hornet. The <laughs> crickets. The, yeah, you, you know the, what about you the Green know, Hornet. You, the Bill Dozier Green Hornet series. Britt Reed, he is canonically 
the like great grandson of the Lone Ranger. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. They share the same last name. They were created by the same guy, uh, which I guess is any, is any Green Hornet stuff is the creator made him send the same canon as the Lone Ranger is all I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, if, if, if you like Rucker Hauer, and uh, and you want to see a couple of movies where he was just having a blast doing literally B movies and, and just really you know having fun with it. Uh, Wanted Dead or Alive and Blind Fury are two brilliant examples of just Howard having a great time doing these bad movies that end up being fun. If you want to see a B movie where Rutger Howard is having a good time, watch Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh. <laughs> I think I saw that one. That is with, I don't know if you ever saw the Tarantino Rodriguez. uh, What was the one that had all the fake trailers? This is where Machete came from. Oh, um, Machete. Machete? No, uh, no, it's where that came from was they they did a bunch of fake trailers in this. Yeah, I think it was Grindhouse. They did a bunch of fake trailers in this movie. And then they ended up turning those fake trailers into movies. And Hobo with a Shotgun was one of them. Machete was one of them. Oh, that's right. I okay. didn't see Hobo with Shaka. I've just, we've just, I've talked about it for years. Yeah. 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 I've it's, heard about it for years and I've never seen it. Well, my favorite line in it is, uh, if, if life, if life gives you razor blades, you make a baseball bat covered in razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look at that now. And that was one of, one of my favorite moments in, in The Mandalorian was when Danny Trejo showed up as the Rancor trainer. Yeah. <laughs> that was just brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I loved when he showed up in Breaking Bad as uh, Tortuga. Tortuga, or yeah. Yeah, like, I, I always yeah. like seeing that guy. And then his head wound up on the back of a tortoise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, just sounds like, it, it, he just sounds like a really cool dude who's been, th- you know, he's seen some shit and he's reached his zen point and now he's just having fun yeah, yeah yeah i mean shit he did several episodes of the flash on cw hmm. like <laughs> it's okay you haven't had enough trauma <laughs> yeah all right that's gonna do it for this this week i i do have uh i mentioned this on the last podcast that we did which was that super fan talk i mean that that star trek podcast but uh and i'll just i won't go into the whole spill but i just want to say that yeah. um this month, the, the month of March, all the money that comes in through uh, Patreon, I'm going to be donating it to the uh, UN Refugee Fund, which uh, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds have uh, said that they're going to match every donation that comes in up to a million dollars. So, uh, so it's kind of like donating twice. So, uh, if you're if you're a patron. Uh, first of all, I appreciate it. Now, I mean, you can be a patron for $3 a month or you can be a producer on the show at the five or $10 level, like uh, Tom Corcoran, Brendan Ushio and Dale Goodall. But, uh, this, this has been an unreal week as far as the news with Russia invading Ukraine. And a lot of those people have lost their homes. They've lost their families. They've got husbands and brothers that are forced to stay behind and go fight. Uh, in this in this ridiculous war that's going on right now um, that shouldn't be happening but uh, I don't want to get too political <laughs> but if you uh, uh, but I'm I'm going to take all the uh, money that comes in on Patreon for the month of March I'm going to donate it to that fund so if you are not a patron if you want to be uh, 
go ahead and join if you want to if you want to do something for ukraine uh you you know donate to that fund or if you want to if you want to send it to me and i'll put it in the pot with the money that i'm going to be sending this month i can do that too you know just shoot me a message on facebook or something and we'll we'll work something out so uh so i just wanted to put that out there um and i'm also uh challenging other podcasters to do the same as well if um and i know that we get these pay, we get these uh patreon accounts because we need to cover you know our hosting fees and stuff like that but you know once you pay the hosting fees or i challenge you just for one month to just pay your hosting fees out of your pocket and just donate your patreon money to, to something else because um you know unless you're on some site that your hosting fees are like a hundred dollars a month for some reason if you are call me because i can give you better <laughs> options <laughs> but uh but yeah i'm challenging other other podcasters to do the same so um all right um dave why don't you let us know where where i can find you all right uh well first of all thank you for having me it was a lot of fun and uh if you are into the dc multiverse on film and television uh check out dc on screen uh if you're into star trek and you you know want something other than you know or in addition to i never know how to say this without sounding like i'm saying don't listen to you guys show <laughs> but i'm on it some a lot of times we're all friends we're not competitive. yeah no i'm not trying to i'm not trying to do all that um star trek universe podcast uh my friend and i have been talking about star trek since we were six years old and if you want to hear that continuing conversation for whatever damn reason uh give us a listen over <laughs> there and uh you can follow me drawing and doing my artwork over at instagram.com slash drawing with dave and uh that's that's all the things right now that i i am actively doing his drawings are really good yeah, yeah thank you man thank y'all that's so nice that's real that's real nice of you <laughs> rick why don't you let everybody know where they can find you <laughs> you can find me looking shit up on google podcasts uh oh there it is right there it was the first thing that came up when i typed in star trek oh that's all good oh that's really? you. okay all good things matriarchal societies is that you guys um, um yeah but, right did you have a website <laughs> Oh wait, there, Matthew Carroll. Is that your? Yes, okay. yes, that's my co-host. All right, uh, he hosted on. Cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, he hosts the show on his network, Stranded Panda. Okay. It is in association with Maladjusted.tv, which is my bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I need I need a good Star Trek podcast to listen to because that doesn't mm. involve me listening. Well, I'll try to find you one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you, can, you can find me on uh, Starbase 66, the international genre fiction podcast, which we are back is uh, irregular as ever. If I get enough people to actually come on the show when I need to do a show, I may be calling you, Dave. <laughs> I'm here. I have like eight pod, eight co-hosts for this show, and I've got one who regularly is there for <laughs> for recordings. So. Yeah. Hey, you know, if I get on enough uh, other Star Trek podcasts, maybe I'll get a few listeners on ours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Open the Iris, our Stargate SG-1 show is back online. We just did Wormhole Extreme! 
Stream, episode 100 of Stargate SG-1, and we are going on from there. Uh, I have a couple of new shows in the pipeline. Uh, one is an audiobook review show that uh, will should be coming out fairly soon, kind of book club slash review. Uh, and I also have an idea for a Star Trek show uh, that uh, I just need to get some people involved in, which means I need to talk about it to the people I know. But uh, I hope that this idea will be really cool. Uh, so y'all will hear, be hearing about that fairly soon. So, uh, and also you can find me on that Star Trek podcast and the cosmic potato and occasionally on, uh, Captain Game Show and any other show where people aren't looking at the door closely enough before I sneak in and start talking. <laughs> All right. And if you want to know how to reach us or where you can find us online, just stay tuned and announcer Nate will tell you in just a moment. Be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear John say, I'm sorry I wasn't on the show. I was I was busy practicing uh, how to sing as Groot. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. Or support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.